Blog Talk Radio. Good day, and welcome to Mama Crap's Mama Chat. I'm Donna Schwartz-Mills, also known as SoCal Mom. And today, we're online with Megan Schuster-Harvey and Cinematic. And all of us are still kind of in shock over the events of the last weekend with Representative Giffords. Um, that's what you were talking about just now, Sin. Sin, wasn't it? About just, it's really hard to, to wrap your mind around it even several days later. Yeah, um, I think the, um, I, you know, it, it, un, sadly, we've gotten very used to male political figures from Reagan to Kennedy to Martin Luther King Jr. I mean, all of these sorts of um, lions of the, you know, establishment left and, and um, including Robert Kennedy and, uh, you know, obviously Reagan as well, uh, you know, had an attempt on his life. And so we, we've sadly become accustomed to the fact that men face risk as public figures. And I think it's, um, this is really the first time we've all had to been, be confronted with the fact that a woman as a public figure um, is exposed to the exact same kind of risks. And, you know, usually uh, we we kind of understand stalking in a sort of celebrity context. And so this is, you know, kind of a new, a uh, very new and unsettling and, and troubling and disturbing um, thing that, that we're all having to confront. And there are already so few women in public life that, um, you know, it's my my hope is that it doesn't dissuade really great women from running. It's already difficult enough to get, you know, wonderfully talented and and qualified women to step up to the plate. So, um, you know, those are just some of my initial thoughts uh, right off the bat. Of course, you know, thinking also of the, um, I believe it was six people who were actually killed um, Mm -hmm. in the attack. I mean, that's, you know, just another layer of sort of stunning that, you know, uh, someone would, would would go with this kind of intent and and this is the sort of effect he had so uh yeah it's it's i know too too much too much to wrap your mind around and and of course you know we we have a very overheated political climate right now um and um you know there's been a lot of finger pointing back and forth and it certainly didn't help that when we finally did hear from Sarah Palin who a lot of folks on the left side of the aisle um really think that, you know, she was pretty instrumental in in giving us this overheated environment mm-hmm. with her talk of, you know, don't back off, reload, and what have you. Um, she's come out with some bizarre statement involving blood libel, you know, taking sort of no responsibility for um, her rhetoric, not toning anything down, and... Um, just really appearing to me to sort of double down and, and be defiant and um, throw in like weird terms that I don't really think she understands what that means. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bible. I I don't think that means what you think it means, Sarah Palin. <laughs> yeah, I I totally I totally agree. And you know when as I have to admit that anger was one of the first emotions I felt watching the events unfold Saturday on the news mm. and of course my thoughts went straight to Sarah Palin. We had we'd seen the things she had on her website. We had all heard the things lock and reload, like you said, everything that she had been saying for the what, the last year to two years. But I honestly 
I honestly don't feel like she had serious intent, of course, for anyone to be hurt. You know, I don't I don't believe that most politicians really wanted someone to go out and get killed, especially a nine-year-old girl. But that being said, her reaction is her reaction is just washing her hands of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not, you know, I think I think a lot of us aren't necessarily trying to say she pulled a trigger. Of course not, but there's responsibility to be had. I think John Stewart said it best in his his first show back after on I believe it was Monday and I'm paraphrasing what exactly he said, but when your when your political talk resembles the ramblings of a gun-toting madman, there's there's something wrong. Even mm-hmm. if your intent is not to see anyone hurt, but if what you're saying on your website as a politician any way resembles what a man-man with a gun is saying, then you've got an issue and you have to own up to it and you have to you have to do something to make it right. Not try and play a victim, which is what I feel like she's doing, is trying to spin it so she's becoming victimized in mm-hmm. the situation. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of emphasis in her statement on, you know, we have to hold individuals accountable for the actions of individuals and just really sort of disavowing any sense of herself. Um, I mean, she's all too happy to wade into adoring crowds of of Tea Party fans and say, like, you know, you're my people and really sort of embrace them then. But, you know, now it's kind of like, oh, you know, it's you're on your own. Hey, you know, what, whatever you do is what you do. And um, I, what I do has apparently is just limited to me, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Um, yeah. Really well, it, it's, me though, when I heard the news, I didn't immediately think of Palin. Mm. I thought back to those angry Tea Party, the footage of all the Tea Party anti health care mm. rhetoric. Yeah. I thought of Sharon Engel with her Second Amendment remedies solution. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it it's not just Palin. I mean, she's like. She's like the face of it. Uh-huh. Exactly. She's a very easy face for us to glom onto. Mm-hmm. But it's bigger than Sarah Palin. And it's very, very disturbing that, you know, in the aftermath of this, Glock sales have gone up in Arizona. Yeah. I know. Oh, you know, I people are buying more Glocks. Right. I did a piece recently for CARE2 that was just sort of a survey of what kind of gun control legislation is being considered. Because... Typically, after, you know, a terrible incident in which a lot of people have been killed, um, you know, and now with the added high profile of, a you know, a, an elected representative um, having been severely um, injured as a result, you know, the people, there's kind of talk of like, okay, wh- where, what are, what's a review of our gun control laws? Where do we stand? Mm-hmm. And, you know, from what I understand, um, Lochner had... Uh, drug arrest on his record. He had, you know, mental health issues, which is another thing that, you know, people are starting to question, like, if it's evident to all of his students, fellow students, and, you know, his professor at his community college, it's, like, clearly evident to them that there's something wrong with this person, you know, how how can we sort of responsibly, as a community, you know, alert people who need to know about these kinds of things? So that's, you know, sort of one issue. But, I mean, it does raise issues of, like, well, 
mental health screening for gun purchase and ownership, you know, big question there, right? Drug arrest on your record, shouldn't that prevent you from being able to acquire a handgun easily, you know, those kinds of things. And, um, you know, I know that we had an assault weapons ban um, in this country between 1994 and 2004 when it expired, and that was um, in part authored by Diane Feinstein, Senator Feinstein from California. That's, that's what and, I was just thinking of. And she, there has been a little bit of talk from her about seeing if she can reinstate it. Now, recall that Senator Feinstein was the one who discovered Harvey Milk when he was assassinated. So, you know, that is like very, very, <clears throat> that I would imagine that event was, you know, indelibly etched on, on her consciousness and, and, mm-hmm. and accounts for her strong gun control position. Now, another woman in Congress, um, Congresswoman Carolyn McCarthy, I believe, from New York, um she lost her husband and her son was injured uh in a in a incident involving gunfire. Um so she is another committed uh, gun control advocate um and she's proposed you know um a piece of legislation that would say we need to really um kind of close down the availability of these um uh, multiple round clips. I I don't I'm not a very well acquainted with you know gun <laughs> gun mm-hmm. lore gun technology, but apparently uh, the shooter Jared Lochner had um, he was able to fire 31 rounds before his clip ran out, and so people are saying you know at the very least, what, what does anyone need to shoot you know 31 rounds at one moment you know for mm-hmm. at the very least let's cut down the number of rounds that are available you know and if he's only able to shoot off 10 rounds in one clip then you know, maybe there there's a way to sort of minimize whatever sort of damage, a, you know, a crazy person like this might do. Um, and then I think the third law that has been talked about is by another, is by actually a Republican. So Feinstein and uh, McCarthy are Democrats. And uh, this Republican congressman... Um, um, Pete King Pete, over Pete in King. New York. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, he has been saying that he wants to see a law passed that would not allow anyone with a gun... Uh, accepting Secret Service and what have you, law enforcement, but obviously, you know, sort of civilians with guns would not be allowed within 1,000 feet of, um, you know, a certain category of, of public officials. So, mm-hmm. you know, here well, is the Hill account- reported today that Boehner has already rejected that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's absolutely expected, and it's really a shame because, you know, Mayor yeah. Bloomberg, I didn't realize this, but Mayor Bloomberg of New York City is actually a very strong gun control advocate as well. And it kind of makes sense because, I mean, the thing is, like, in dense urban areas, <laughs> you uh-huh. know, that's sort of the, that's kind of the very um, situation where you really, where I think there really is a need for limits because, you know, there's just that much, there are that many more people, and you know, crime is is kind of that much more of an issue as opposed to in more rural areas where it truly is for hunting or, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever kind of self-protection or what have you. But, you know, there are just fewer people per square mile. And so, you know, I think your chances of of terrible things happening, you know, goes down. But, um, yeah, so it doesn't surprise me at all that Boehner has has already stepped on, on that idea. No, and you know, yeah, it's it's the urban areas that are, that are predominantly blue, and the rural areas that are predominantly red, mm-hmm. and maybe there's just a lifestyle thing where we 
I have trouble understanding one another or seeing where yeah. the other one is coming from here. Mm-hmm. Or that, you know, well, the other, I read a, piece, a very depressing piece, I think it was maybe in Salman, that talked about how um, gun control advocates have really, and Democrats specifically, have kind of ceded the issue to the Republicans because the NRA gun lobby is so strong, can't be defeated. Yeah. And then in 1994, apparently, when the assault weapons ban was actually passed and signed off by Clinton, um, you know, that was kind of one of those midterm elections in which Democrats took a beating, so to speak. Yes. And, you know, 54 Republicans were elected in in this giant sweep, and, you know, it was partially credited to the, you know, the NRA really getting behind Republicans and, and in retaliation for that assault weapons ban um, mm-hmm. law. So, you know, so all of that is just very frustrating because I think that we seem to be kind of, we, you know, we talk about local control and all of that, but we seem to be incapable of of making distinctions like saying, you know, hey, let's think about zones, you know. So mm-hmm. if we can say like urban zones need to have different kinds of rules concerning access and availability and sales and so on and so forth versus rural zones where maybe other, you know, other rules can apply, maybe can be, you know, eased up, you know, and, uh, but it kind of, the using, you know, state by state is kind of inadequate to the, to the problem, it seems, you know? Oh, totally. I, I find it, I think it's something, Something that hopefully will come, one of the things that will, silver linings, if you will, that will come from Saturday is hopefully more everyday citizens will think harder about how they feel about gun control. Because I think it, it's just something that people, like you said, you know, the left has kind of ceded it to to the right. And I think a lot of everyday citizens don't put that, put gun control on their top five priority list of the things that affect them and that they're going to fight for or against you know what i mean yeah and and more citizens need to step up i and i speak because my community we we are a small town yet we have the lab the lawrence livermore lab yet uh, surrounding our town is all rural communities so we have we have quite an eclectic mix of people from all over the world who come move here work at the lab yet we have a really high you know ranchers farmers people who do carry their shotgun or have their shotguns at home because it is ranching and rural community mm-hmm. surrounding. Mm-hmm. But in town, we have a lot of people that come and do the open carry situations. Oh, you know, wow. yeah, we yeah. we have that, and we've had a couple incidences over the last couple months where one or two men have gone down to our downtown, which is very traditional small town downtown, coffee mm-hmm. shops, kids, mm-hmm. family, mm-hmm. and they walk around with their open carry. And a few months ago. Um, a gentleman went into a local coffee shop, had his open carry, was, you know, everyone could see it, and he was very boastful of it. Um, he was trying to get attention, and parents started calling the police. Mm. Said there's a guy with a gun in the coffee shop, and he wasn't mm-hmm. doing anything. Police came. They, well, they asked to check his license, check the gun to make sure it wasn't loaded, all that stuff, and he tried to claim they were harassing him. Mm-hmm. And the police officer in front of a news camera said, you know what? I don't care what the law is. If you're walking around with a gun and people feel unsafe and call the police, we're going to come, we're going to come mess with you. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is and those citizens who took it upon themselves to call the police regardless of the open carry law, that's you have to think on it, 
something in Arizona would had people noticed there was someone I don't know if they have open carry in Tucson I don't know what the specific laws are but that's the kind of situation you see someone walking around with a gun call the police uh-huh. <laughs> but there's yeah. a difference between a Glock and a shotgun well that's and true. I think and I think they are allowed to have a concealed weapon over there wow yeah. yeah. Arizona yeah. has traditionally been a really gun-loving state. I was looking yeah. at another yeah. article saying that, you know, the, the citizens there express, express just as much shock and sorrow, but, you know, they kind of, at the end of the day, say, well, you know, we don't really see a need to change our laws. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm a little flabbergasted by that. Yeah, a nine-year-old girl being killed for no reason at yeah. all to me there how much more do you need than that yeah well again you know this is this is an aspect of it that is especially chilling because if i want to go to a public event with my representative there do i have to worry that some nut is going to spray all the bystanders do i have to keep my kids out of i mean during the election, a lot of us brought our kids to campaign events. That's right. You know, <laughs> to show them how wonderful our democratic process is. Right. You know, are we all going to be afraid? Are we going to hide our kids away and not participate? Yeah, it's, there's it's, definitely a chilling a chilling effect yeah. on, on yeah. civic participation, you know. And I, I think that I, was absolutely intended during the health care town halls also. With, yeah. You know, here I am with my assault rifle walking around the town hall. I mean, what are you projecting there, you know, obviously? <laughs> I brought my two little ones to a health care rally near where we live here, and mm-hmm. and my daughter got knocked over by somebody who was getting really worked up. You know, she wasn't hurt, but it was, he was, you know, yelling, cussing, got, and it was it was at that point that we decided it was time to go, but because uh-huh. it, and, and it made me really rethink, was that the right thing to do? But all I was trying to do is exactly what you said, Donna. Expose yeah. my kids to what was going on in the world. Get, you know, the the democratic process. People speaking their minds, no matter whose side of the aisle they're on. Yeah. And it now, now I honestly, I'm not sure that I would feel comfortable doing that right now. Mm-hmm. Me neither. I mean, I took Megan to a move on anti war rally mm-hmm. at um, during the 2008 campaign, and she was absolutely shocked at some of the people who would drive by and flip off, you know, the Mm -hmm. the protesters, Mm -hmm. you know, but it was peaceful. I never felt unsafe. If I had that opportunity today after this, uh, I don't think I'd bring her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It has the effect of chilling free speech. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also perhaps dampening, you know, enthusiasm by women who might consider running because now, you yes. know, the risks are are clearly, you know, you're as much a target. There's no chivalry in in, in an insane man's actions, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. There's no there's no logic in it whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. And I, but I really hope if there are any women out there listening that they are not discouraged, but instead inspired. Because if anything, women in politics, but anyone in politics, hopefully what they'll take from this is that they need to keep doing what they're doing, keep yeah. speaking out, keep yeah. working on the causes that matter to them and their constituents. I mean, I really, 
I, that's one of the saddest things to me is if it is making people shy away from working to make the world a better place, you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I just wanted to throw in one sort of sobering last fact about gun control in the course of doing that piece for CARE 2, um, which is that in 1990 there was 78% public polling support for gun control, and now in 2000, as, as of like October 2010, there was 44% public approval for gun control. So these are some of the realities, the realities of what we're facing here. <laughs> and I'm wondering how much of that has to do with the rise of media outlets that yeah. just report, you know, a certain point of view, mm -hmm. that, you know, mm -hmm. and, and don't report actual facts. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, um, one wonders. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, maybe on to a little more hopeful news. Um, I know that in terms of Congresswoman Gifford's um, health status, that miraculously, you know, despite being shot point blank in the head, that um, she shows some signs of fair, you know, fairly good recovery. Given, given, you know, the um, the sort of in, you know severity of of her injuries, and um, I believe there were reports yesterday. Uh, last time I checked, it was, she was able to um, recognize and, and maybe communicate a little bit with her husband, who had gone to be at her side, and um, you know she was conscious and and you know seemed to have some some of her faculties, some of her um, you know senses available to her. So, you know, that is just really short of a miracle, I think, that, um, you know, she survived. It's a huge question as to, like, what um, the extent of, you know, the injuries are still and brain injury and, and, you know, what sort of cognitive functions might have been harmed and things like that. Um, but, you know, the fact that she survived, I'm just so yeah. grateful for that. Um, and yeah. That's Kind of like the one tiny glimmer of of um, good news mixed in with all the bad. I saw one other positive thing, um, sort of positive thing, in that Westboro was going to protest the little girl's what, what was her name, Chris, Christine Green, or um, yeah, you know, the, the child. Uh huh. Yeah. They were going to be at her funeral and. Governor Jan Brewer signed into law a new a new law that restricts protests at funerals in Arizona from I think 300 feet or so from from you know or 300 yards. I mean it, it you know they've got restrictions in place now actually on the books to yeah. keep people from hijacking funerals right. and uh, I, invading their privacy and and that's. It's a shame that that has that kind of a law has to be passed, but I'm happy to see someone like Brewer sign it in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't have necessarily anticipated something so good coming from her, oh, <laughs> but I, I but I certainly applaud it. And you know something yeah. else about the Westboro churches? I've actually just on Facebook and on Twitter and even on the news and just around town, I you know the the amount of passion people have against the Westboro Church. It's little conversations that make me feel very hopeful for us as a society because the majority of people, I mean, I, I have not seen or heard one person who remotely thinks 
they're okay. And it's just nice Good. to see Republicans <laughs> and Democrats, like but I mean, passionate Republicans I know as well, uh-huh. who just who are just as angered and disgusted at, by them as we are. You mm-hmm. know, so mm-hmm. it's uh, it's always the way people come together against the Westboro Church is always a, a silver lining. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wish they could just, you know, be sent to the moon or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, you're going to think what you're going to think and, and all of that, but could you just do it, like, far away from the rest of us? <laughs> well, And it's so, protesting at funerals is so, it's so not political. Yeah. And death and dying in funerals is so not political and not a time to make a statement. You know, it's... <laughs> They in just, any circumstance. Uh, yeah, I don't I think at one time they may have had a message of some kind as odious as it was and now I think mm-hmm. it's just they've become like these weird, you know, parasites on the backs of the media yeah. and all they want is just the attention, the media spotlight. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of like yeah. it doesn't even matter what the event is or the issue is. <laughs> you know? Oh my goodness. Anyway, <laughs> And so I guess, and I think the other big thing that has been a big topic of discussion, and I saw a headline on this, um, I think today in the Huffington Post, but just sort of, you know, the question of, like, we have a lot of mentally ill people. Like, set aside, you know, did the political climate, did overheated rhetoric from Sarah Palin or whoever, you know, Rush Limbaugh, whoever you want to assign, did that contribute to this event? But, I mean, it, it seems pretty clear that, Jared Lochner has serious mental health issues. So now the question is, you know, we don't want guns and mentally ill people who are violent getting together. (laughs) But then also Mm -hmm. for those mentally ill people who do show some signs that they may have violent intentions or or plans or tendencies, you know, what do we do with those folks? Obviously, mentally, not everyone who's mentally ill you know, 90%, I think, 99% of the folks who are mentally ill, it's really just, you know, issues that they themselves are most harmed by and, and most struggle to deal with. So I have tremendous empathy for that. But I think mm-hmm. we are talking about a very small percentage of folks who, you know, um, not not the harm is not just on them, but, you know, they may have harmful ideas toward other people. So what, you know, what do we as a society do about that? And. Even the New Republic has a piece on that today, which I've, I've posted the link on the Momocrats Facebook page. And I found that very interesting that, you know, while the GOP won't touch gun control, someone, someone on that side is raising the issue of, you know, how to help mentally ill people who are a danger and won't help themselves. Mm-hmm. Um I think that's a step in the right direction. We need to have that conversation as well. Yeah, and I think that some people are talking like, well, maybe we need to broaden a little more the rules that we have on involuntary confinement. So that's very interesting, you know. Um, Now, we have about three minutes left mm -hmm. on our half hour. Um, Sin. I know that you've been very passionate about this uh, Asian parenting brouhaha in the media. Do you want to describe that and and talk a little about that in a little bit of time? We have two minutes left. Just a quick update. I called it a a tempest in a a green tea pot. (laughs) I like it. It's really, um, it just is very funny because 
this writer named Amy Tra, she's a high-powered Yale law professor, etc., um, Chinese-American, <clears throat> and she's written a, a book, um, Battle Hymn of the White of the Tiger Mother, and, and there's a very long sort of subtitle about, you know, sort of snarky subtitle about how you know, she tried to uh, raise her daughters in um, the same exact traditional Chinese way that she was raised, uh, you know, to be a high performer, high achiever, so on and so forth, working hard, and uh, basically how her 13-year-old daughter fought her tooth and nail, rebelled, and, you know, she ended up being sort of chastened and had to kind of dial it all back. Now, that's what the book is about. I, I have not yet read it, but um, there was a Wall Street Journal excerpt of you know a lot of her parenting strategies that she describes, and um, the excerpt you know basically put together, it was so link baity. I mean it was just beyond link baity, and it got some ridiculous number of you know comments, like more than 2,500 comments. The last time I checked, um, you know, and so this all happened. I think the article went up over the weekend, um, and then you know it. Just it took on a life of its own, and and I thought what was so interesting is that so many Asian Americans, so many children of immigrants, spoke up and said, you know, I I may have you know certain credentials, I have a sort of public face that's you know functional, I have all these achievements, so on and so forth, but I have to tell you that I was like you know severely emotionally damaged by you know some of the things I experienced growing up under this sort of harsh way of parenting. And one of the things that Amy Chua was talking about is like this one sort of famous episode where she's trying to um, coach her daughter through a very difficult piano piece, and her daughter was like maybe seven, and she was saying, you know, if you don't do it right, I'm not going to give you anything to eat, no dinner for you, you can't go to the bathroom, you know, you're making me angry by tearing up the sheet music and so I'm going to put it back together in a plastic sleeve so you can't rip it up and then it's kind of, it's kind of escalates so she's at, you know saying I'm going to you don't get this right I'm going to take your stuff I'm going to burn your stuffed animals I'm going to take your favorite dollhouse into the car and sell it off piece, piece by piece to the Salvation Army I mean <laughs> things that really hardcore. you know yeah pretty hardcore she's calling her daughter garbage etc so you know she's got <laughs> all the big guns and and my worry is that people really don't see the downside of it, the Asian American model minority myth, which is that it is some it's achieved very often by very harsh methods, and a lot of times those harsh methods include corporal punishment. Corporal punishment is one thing, but sort of even shading into physical abuse, okay? And so I think that it's very dangerous for people to want to read her memoir as a parenting manual. So I, my mm -hmm. concern is really that there are a lot of mental health issues in the Asian American community. Let's fix those. Let's work on those. Let's be more mentally healthy and have greater emotional intelligence. <laughs> but also, like, let's kind of warn people that, you know, there's kind of a dark side to these methods. And so let's not go whole hog in a totally different direction. You know, one swing of the pendulum to the to the lax side is bad, but swinging it back to the overly strict and or abusive side is just as bad, you know. Well, I think I we totally could devote agree. a whole other half hour to that one. <laughs> um, and we, we've gone a little bit over, so um, okay. I guess that's it for Mama Chat this week. Okay. Thank you, Cinematic. And, yeah. Megan, it's really good to have you back and for me to be back. And um, <laughs> we'll we'll uh, get everybody next week, same time, same uh, bat website. Okay. Bye-bye. Um, <laughs> have a good Thanks. week. Bye. Bye.